And we are now pleased to go to our Auburn Bank phone line to open up our number three. And we are pleased to be joined by Zach Blackerby, the host of Locked on Auburn and Village Vice, uh, the new podcast with he and Brad Law. Uh, Zach, really appreciate the time today. Getting very excited for football season. How are you this afternoon? I'm good, man. You can feel it, right? You can feel that uh, it seems like football is actually back. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, look, obviously not the biggest of games to start things off, but I think that's going to be okay with uh, a new coaching staff, a lot of new players in the fold for Auburn. Zach, what do you think is the most important thing to learn here about Auburn in week one against UMass? Well, can they take care of business? Uh, I think that's the first thing. We've seen Auburn, whether it was during the Harson era or the Malzahn era or even really the Tuberville era, uh, Auburn kind of let these teams stick around, especially in openers. But, you know, whenever Auburn's a five-touchdown favorite like they are this weekend, Auburn seems to win these games by, like, you know, 27 to 10 or 35 to 20 or, you know, something like that. Can can Auburn, you know, take care of business, not play with their food and execute at a high level? Because let's face it, not one player on UMass's roster would start or probably play at Auburn. I mean, so the, the talent gap is going to be dramatic. And also, what does this new offense look like? I assume it's going to be pretty vanilla. Same on the defensive side of the ball. I think Auburn's going to run a lot of just base vanilla type stuff, but it's still going to look different than what we've seen over the past few seasons, and I think that should be refreshing. And then, obviously, the quarterbacks. What do the quarterbacks look like? Is it exclusively Peyton Thorne? How often do they go to Robbie Ashford for packages? And at what point will they pull him and put in the twos and which quarterback will be leading the second-team offense? I think all of those are going to be kind of the interesting things we're watching for. Zach, uh, I want to look on the offensive side of the ball to start things off here, and, and I want to look at the running game because we've had a lot of questions surrounding Jarquez Hunter in the offseason and coming into the, the first week. Uh, we've gotten to, to hear a lot more about the rest of the running backs in that room. What, is your, what are your thoughts on the running back room as a whole, not just uh, Jarquez Hunter? Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like uh, there's some reports saying that uh, Jarquez Hunter may not even be out there. So I expect Damari Austin at the current moment, as we have this conversation, I expect Damari Austin to be the guy, and then Ryan Batty and Jeremiah Cobb to be kind of RB2 and RB3, and everybody kind of have different roles um, because of that pecking order shift. But they should be able to do whatever they want against UMass. Um, I, I don't think UMass is a very good football team. I don't think um, this narrative that they have a top-10 defense a year ago isn't true. I, I don't really understand where that came from. I know Hugh Freeze talked about it in his press conference on Tuesday, but it's not really an accurate statement. They were ninth last year in pass defense, but they were like 100-and-something in rush defense. They, they, weren't, they were 55th in total points allowed. Like, this isn't a good team. So... Uh, they, they should be able to run the ball at, at will. I mean, New Mexico State should have ran the ball every single play, and they would have won the game uh, a week ago. Yeah, I was just about to ask you about how you felt about um, their head coach is Don Brown, who's best known for his defenses as he was a former Michigan defensive coordinator for many years, but he was also the UMass head coach from 2004 to 2008. So I was just wondering how you felt mm -hmm. about uh, how Peyton Thorne would do against those that funkier style of defense for, say, at, would he struggle to read that style? Yeah, sure, sure. And, and I think he should be fine. They've been prepping for this, and I've just talked to people on the team and 
within the program. I mean, they're treating this like it's a really serious game. And I keep, I keep kind of asking questions to these folks, kind of getting them to say, all right, we spent a little time on Cal. Or, okay, yeah, we did look at A&M for the last 50 minutes. And it's none of that. They are all in on UMass. And I think the fact that UMass had to really pull all the stops out to be competitive against New Mexico State, um, they, they showed who they were, or at least they showed what they're trying to do and trying to be in, in order to be successful this season. So I think it's going to be huge for Auburn. I think it's going to be good uh, mental reps for Peyton Thorne and kind of see how you know Coach Freeze and Coach Montgomery watch and evaluate film with him. And, and it's nice that they're able to do that before Cal and I think Cal's going to probably have their hands full with North Texas this weekend, which will be an interesting game to follow as well. Just a six-and-a-half-point favorite there. So I think that's interesting. But, yeah, I'm not expecting this UMass defense to, to give Auburn a ton of trouble. Uh, and if they do, I think it'd be concerning. And so, Zach, when we're looking at the wide receiver room, that's a room that's been I, – I, look, I think people were optimistic about it in the summer, but I think it's it's gotten more – maybe more of a hype around it over the last couple of weeks, especially seeing some of the stuff that Shane Hooks has done and that sort of thing. Where are we at in determining who can break away from the rest of these guys? I think there's a lot of guys that people have some hopes for. How many guys can ultimately break away and end up being the true factors on a game-to-game basis? Well, I think Shane Hooks has done that, but it's practice. I mean, how much can you really break away from somebody in the rest of this group in practice, it's going to come down to what they do in a game, and, and I expect Shane Hooks to take over. Uh, I made the joke on my show. I, I don't think anybody in the state of Massachusetts can cover Shane Hooks with the exception of the folks that play for the New England Patriots. I, I just don't think there's going to be a ton to what UMass can throw at the guys like Shane Hooks or like a Jair Shorter. I think Javaris Johnson slated to have a good game as well. But I think Shane Hooks is going to be that dude. He and Peyton Thorne continue to get more and more on the same page, according to folks who, uh, who, who have been at practice that are able to kind of pass along notes and tidbits. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, in short, I think it's going to be Shane Hooks. But, yeah, you can only do so much of practice. you got to execute in the game. Zach, we've been talking on the show today, and, and I want to pose a question to you. At what point in Saturday's football game do you want to see the first team uh, players not on the field? You're asking the wrong person this because <laughs> I would say don't ever take them out. I would, I would keep the starters in the whole time and rotate guys in, but that's not how it works, right? We all know this. So, you know, maybe let the twos and threes play the whole fourth quarter in a perfect world. And so many, ta- so many teams pull their guys at halftime, but I think in a game like this it's really important. If Auburn's able to do whatever they want to do, they're able to score at will, and they're up a lot. You know, I, I think it's important – to let them come out of halftime and play at least half of that third quarter because you stop for so long, and that's a really important rep in and of itself. You want to kind of get the engine back going and pick up game speed and also apply adjustments that you made at the half. And so this is a new coaching staff, and a lot of these guys are new. You definitely want to have that rep of doing that together as a team, as a unit, as a program, uh, before you go and do it on, at Cal on, on the roads. It's just going to be a different type of experience. So – to me, at least at least two and a half quarters, but I'd keep the starters in as long as possible. And Zach, obviously we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but let's do talk a little bit about that Cal team because obviously that's going to be the quote-unquote quiz or test of the, the non-conference. It's not as big of a game as Auburn is used to playing as their number one 
non-conference game, but nevertheless, it's what they have this year. Are, first and foremost, are you glad that in year one of a new coaching staff that it is not, say, a top 10 or top 20 opponent, or did you want that kind of challenge early on before conference play to get a better feel for where this team is at heading to the SEC play? Oh, I think it's ridiculous that Auburn always challenges these top five, top 10, top 15 opponents. The SEC's tough enough. You play Alabama and Georgia every year. Why make your path to the college football playoff tougher? So I'm all for it. The home and home with Cal I thought was a good move. And is it even going to be a power five opponent next year? Um, we'll see. We'll see certainly where Cal ends up as they're currently in the pack four. But I don't think this Cal team is super spectacular. And, and I've been told all summer that I'm riding off Cal. I'm riding off Cal. Sure, whatever. Maybe I am. Uh, but I think the elements outside of the game, Auburn versus Cal, are a bigger factor than Cal actually is. I think the traveling across the country for the first time in a new staff, I mean, every staff handles travel differently. And so there's a lot of newness with this first part of the season and the Hugh Freeze era and these new coordinators. And so I think that's something you don't really know exactly what that's going to look like. And you also got 40 players that weren't on this team a year ago. And so I, I think that's part of it. It's also going to be the latest game um, in Auburn football history, or at least tied, uh, that we can find, 9.30 kickoff local time. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty unique. So how do they respond to that? I think those factors are bigger than actually game planning against Cal. I mean, Cal, just as a program, guys, they're going to North Texas this weekend. I mean, think about that. When have you heard of a Power 5 program going to, to that? I mean, that's just kind of wild to me. And on top of that, I looked at it before I jumped on the phone with you guys, a six-and-a-half-point favorite against North Texas. And so I, I just think this is a matchup that Auburn should be able to win unless they just have a hard time adapting to the late kickoff or traveling literally to the other side of the country. Yeah, that was going to be my question for you was uh, how do you think they would be able to be – to travel to the Bay Area, which is very far from here. But uh, another question for you, though, is their best player is uh, their running back named Jaden Ott. He almost he had around 900 yards, eight touchdowns. Do you think he will be a good test for the Auburn run defense? Because last year we saw it was quite putrid. So do you think Mr. Ott will be able to give Auburn a good test? Yeah, so I'm not on the bandwagon of the run defense was as bad as a lot of Auburn media is saying they are. And statistically, sure, you can't argue with it. I mean, as far as their yards allowed per game, they weren't very good. I mean, think about the situation that this defense was in. And like, I just remember like watching Auburn football last year. I was never like, oh, we're bad because of the because of the rush defense. I just never really. I don't know. The offense couldn't convert a third down. And by the end of the game, this team was exhausted. Oh, yeah, and Auburn hardly ever had a lead in their big games. And so what does the other team do? They continue to run it over and over and over again. So I think some context is needed to, like, before we label Auburn as this terrible rush defense from a year ago. But, yes, I mean, obviously any good running back is going to be good because two weeks after Cal is really the first real test when, when, when Auburn starts conference play once again on the road in College Station, and uh, it doesn't matter who A&M trots out at running back. They're going to be better than anything Cal has to offer. But, yes, I think he kind of gets the jitters out against uh, UMass on Saturday. You go across the country. Hopefully you take care of business, and that pretty much clinches a four, four straight, or I guess 4-0 and in your non-conference schedule, and everybody's kind of wondering, can Auburn get to 7 or 8? That gets you pretty close if you're able to beat Cal. 
and then you, you take care of business, uh, you know, with another non-con opponent, and then you, you get to face Texas A&M on the road and what I have dubbed uh, over the course of this offseason uh, as the most important game on Auburn's schedule. Talking to Zach Blackerby today on Sports Call. Zach, last one for you. The Auburn-UMass game is a success for Auburn if blank. Uh, if no one gets hurt, no injuries. I think that's the biggest thing. And Auburn's battled injuries throughout fall camp, but none of them have been like season-ending. There's no ACLs or um, you know any, any kind of crazy you know Achilles injuries or, or things like that. You got to hold on to that. We've had guys, we've seen guys be banged up in the wide receiver room and the defensive front seven. Keep that trend going. It's fine if you have nicks and bruises and tweaks and some minor sprains. That's okay. You can live with that. Uh, we just don't need to see anybody carted off the field. I think that's uh, I think that's probably what Auburn's most focused on is the health because you need all of these guys. Auburn's not a super deep team, so you need them for conference play. Absolutely. He's Zach Blackerby, host of Locked on Auburn and Village Vice. Uh, Zach, tell our listeners a little bit where you can find those podcasts and a little bit about Village Vice as that is a, a pretty new podcast here about Auburn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Locked on Auburn, available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Village Vice is new. You can search for it on YouTube. It's with the folks uh, at the next round, uh, our friends up north in Birmingham. And it's been fun. Yeah, that's with Brad Law with the Auburn Sports Network, like you guys said, at the top of, uh, at the top of our conversation. But that's been a blast. And then also you can find all of my written work at AuburnDaily.com. Zach Blackerby joining us today on Sports Call. Zach, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. Excited that college football is back, and we look forward to talking to you a little bit down the line. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me.